0: How is it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders, where we usually talk to founders about their their companies, their visions for the future, and how the two collide. But today is going to be a little different. Today I'm actually talking to someone on the other side of the table. I'm talking to Turner Novak, who is the general partner at Gelt VC, um, and we're going to be talking all about fundraising and what the perspective is from the venture capitalist who's getting pitched all the time with the ultimate goal for founders to understand on a deeper level how fundraising works and what you know pitfalls to avoid etc so with all that said turner welcome to the show thanks for coming on awesome thank you for having me super excited to be here yeah i I'm, i'm very excited to have you on as well as the the first edition of uh i think i'm gonna i think i'm gonna uh, launch these on mondays as like VC partner monday you know something like that so I, i'm very excited yeah, to be the first uh the first perfect. person on here
1: <laughs> cool. yeah I, I hope i can uh, live up to the high expectations
0: yeah yeah no i honestly because you're a person who is in the position of writing checks and you do this for a living you whatever you say is going to be living up to living up to expectations because like you're the perspective that so many founders wants to understand right so kind of to start um I guess I guess the first question for you um kind of high level to understand a little more about you to kind of as a VC is yeah. generally what type of VC are you are you late stage are you early stage and to start like what sectors do you look at um just to kind of start to start things off
1: yeah, so to start things off, uh, sectors, we are fairly open. We're really opportunistic. Uh, we really kind of stay away from things that we don't know, uh, which is not very knowledgeable about biotech or blockchain, crypto stuff, uh, and don't really know much about kind of cannabis and CBD. Um, those are really the only things that we don't do. But other than that, uh, any type of consumer or enterprise product, doesn't even have to be software. i pretty open to taking a look at all those things. Uh, the, really, the way I think about it is, there are many people out there who are a lot smarter than me, and who are probably a lot harder working than me, and can figure out things that I have not thought of. That you know, it's it's kind of it's kind of tough to as me as a VC being super early to really be thesis driven. I'm really more of just like idea driven. I think a lot of people have you know they're kind of market first or team or founder first investors. Uh, You know, I kind of skew towards market first, but I'm really idea first. You know, what's the what's the big idea that you have and and how is it solving a problem that's out there Um, really early? Uh, So typically uh, the kind of checks that we write are any anything between twenty five and two hundred fifty thousand. And usually those are you're raising a round that's between five hundred thousand and maybe like six million um, total ballpark valuation of the company. 25 million or less Um, and a lot of depending on where you are what part of the country or what part of the world the stage whether you're pre-seed seed, series a that can all kind of be different so it's kind of i don't really like to brand myself that way i'm really just open to hearing people's ideas really early and seeing if there's any way i can help Um, And you know if it's something i really want to be involved with for i mean it'll probably be like 10 years really in a lot of these cases so uh, we're pretty opportunistic how we think about things, and typically, uh, yeah, I mean, there's we have I have I have some theses that I kind of makes me more interested in taking a look at things, but I'm really open to really just the idea. Uh, I mean, really, the best venture scale outcomes come from things that all, that people weren't thinking about. You know, I think by the time it hits the blogs and the fortune cookie tweets, everyone knows about them. There's a lot of competition. Uh so I really like to invest before before the blog posts and before the fortune cookie tweets. That's when I'm interested. I wanna I wanna invest in the stuff that's gonna that people are gonna be writing blog posts about in a year or two. That's kind of
0: my strategy. And if you want to invest before the blog post, before the podcast, etc., how do you hear about um how do you hear about ideas early? I guess what I'm asking is when you think of deal flow. Is it mostly all introductions? Is it all cold? How do you think about getting in front of these talented entrepreneurs who have great ideas? Yeah, it's honestly all over the place. To be, to
1: be totally honest, there's kind of a process. I mean, as a VC, um, so kind of getting in, I know you really want to try to, you want to kind of understand from your perspective, you want me to talk about a little bit more nuanced. you know, we can read about what people have written or publicly spoken about on podcasts before Uh, But For me, it's a lot about just trying to build relationships with the kind of people that open up deal flow for you. Um, So kind of getting towards the second level. I mean, with VC, it's very much relationship driven. So I really just try to build good relationships with other investors. um, And then also other, other founders and just smart people working on cool things and thinking about things differently. Uh, so whether it's founders or just people who are working in tech or even people who are just experts in a certain industry, they might not even work in tech. They're just, they really understand CPG and food or they really understand education and they work at a university. They have no interest in tech. Um, just kind of learning how to think about things from them because you can maybe get an idea from them or they're talking about a problem or you realize that there's certain ways that the world work works from talking to those people. So. Um, yeah, in terms of getting deal flow, it can be from uh, other VCs. Sometimes founders reach out uh, pretty open and available uh, online. I mean, our, our, my email is on the website. It's in my Twitter bio. I think my location on Twitter is actually my email address. So I'm pretty open to people reaching out to me um, and really try hard and, you know, take pride in like looking at everything and trying to respond to everyone and being as helpful as I can. Um, it's not necessarily something that's probably going to scale forever. Um, but it's kind of the, the classic startup mantra, like do something that doesn't scale uh, and figure out how to scale it later. And right now I'm definitely in the point where, you know, I'm just trying to be as hands on and helpful as I can for all that kind of stuff.
0: Um, and then I'll find
1: something just proactively, you know, uh, I guess one example, I've been super interested in kind of the fragmentation of enterprise SaaS and kind of time spent in the workplace. and trying to figure out things that kind of bridge all this uh, fragmentation that we're kind of seeing in workplace tools I and mean, found a really interesting founder working on something there that I'm going to invest in. And that was kind of just for me seeing what she was doing and reaching out to her. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that kind of stuff can be really lucky. A lot of thing in, things in VC is... The companies that, come, that you find or that come across your, your inbox, it's a lot of luck. And then being able to see it and just being in the right time, not being on vacation, having the capacity to like really dig into it for two hours and make a decision, not being in between raising funds and being able to write a check, um, or just the mood you were in when you, when you read an email or took a call. I mean, it's, it's very much emotion-driven in a lot of cases. Um, you know, there's numbers or whatever, but when you get super early, it's just an idea really. And like, were you sold on a team. Um, uh, you know, my, my kind of take is team super important. Um, but I, you know, really value market as well. Cause I think if you have, if you come up with a good idea, you're a smart person. Um, and you know, people, and you're a hard worker, if you can execute and you can kind of show, show that it's working. So I really don't too, put too much weight on who someone is or their background, you know, it's, it can be important, but it's not everything. I think it's truly really more of, um, you know, what you've done and how you think about the world and how you think it's how you think you can fix some of the problems that are out there. So yeah, I'm pretty open in answer to the question. Pretty open to inbound stuff that's cold. I, you know, talk to a lot of different people, and really, I think it just comes down to effort and just being willing to, as a VC, just pay attention and care and try to help people as much
0: as I can. So, so there's people listening that are on. All stages of startups. One just has an idea, and they that you just mentioned you're into ideas. If you have an idea, great, let me email and 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 I can get funding. Like that's their like wide-eyed view, and maybe earlier like in their startup career. Then you got someone yeah. that's like you know, doing it, been doing it for, for a year or two and they're making real money. Um, yeah. do you because you're pre-seed and seed, I guess do you look at these two the same, or are there different ways that you'd want the The person that's really early, super approachy, versus the person that might be more in your sweet spot, or is revenue even matter for your sweet spot? You know, like like, is it just idea at this stage?
1: Yeah, that's a good question, (laughs) and and it's hard to answer in a really succinct way. So I think ultimately, in a VC's mind, they want to think I'm gonna give this person money, and then the idea is gonna work. Really, so that that's a hard question to answer in someone's mind and it can be different with everyone. Um, So I think it's really about having a good, I don't want to say pitch, but just a good understanding of what you're really trying to tackle and what what you're trying to do. You know, what what problem are you solving for people? How does your solution that you're building, whether it's a product, a service, whatever it is, um, how does it kind of fit that need? And are, why are people tripping over to give you money? whether you haven't launched yet but you, you are convinced that everybody's going to want to use your product or whether you have you know 100 million dollars in revenue already like why is it why is it going to continue um, so i think really early days is you know what's the what's the initial traction look like or going to look like and how can you prove it and convince an investor that it's coming or if you if you're already a big business, like what what is your core product? What kind of strategic value does it give you in, in your customer's eyes? And what other products are you going to be layering on over top to kind of generate more revenue from your existing customers? Or why do you why do you still only have one percent of the market and you're gonna capture 10% of it and kind of 10 times your revenue over the next couple of years? It's it's a very open-ended question of like what's what's gonna convince an investor to take a one. I mean, it depends on the investor too. Some people might come in and, you know, they say, we think that enterprise software is done and no one's going to use cloud anymore and everyone's going to go back to on premise or, or something. And that's probably not right, but someone might have a certain view that just doesn't really match with what you're pitching. And that's okay. And there, that's why there's, thousands of vcs there's probably i don't even know what the number is how many vc firms are out there how many different funds but there's a lot um so as a founder that's awesome because one person might say no but there are hundreds more that probably fit your exact thesis like pre-seed enterprise SaaS in san francisco you know that write a specific check size in the lead around so you have a lot of options and i think it's definitely it can be really tough to get people to pull the trigger and convince them to invest. But I think now is an interesting time. There's just so many different people that are investing. Um, so there's at least options and, um, you know, there's not very many people necessarily that may be lead round. So maybe you have to kind of scrape together a round of a, a bunch of angels or a bunch of smaller funds. If you can't specifically get someone to come in and lead and take half or the full round. Um, yeah, I think there's definitely a lot of nuance of of how you convince someone to give you money. And it can be very easy and straightforward. It can also be a long, grueling road. Um, Yeah, happy. Always happy to try and help people as much as I can, because I know it can be really tough. I mean, I'm a VC. I'm technically fundraising my fund right now. And it's hard. You know, it's tough. So
0: how does um, this is going to be like a a somewhat tactical question, but okay. So you're raising a fund now, um, which means you correct me if I'm wrong. Which means you're like you're pitching potential LPs to give you money, so you can put invest into the next GEL, you know gel VC's next fund. Um, how do you does your is your check? Are you pitching like a potential different check size for the, the to these LPs that you want to start writing out of the next fund? I guess let me let me rephrase the question. How does um, how should a founder uh me um knowing that potentially a VC on pitching is in the middle of raising a fund um does that matter to the founder at all because the the VC might still be investing out of the previous fund or is that of it doesn't matter to a founder and should they play their cards right in in that capacity
1: oh yeah I think it's important to know and I mean typically you can just ask you know do you guys have capacity to write checks right now You can ask, you can probably ask strategic questions like, what was the last investment you made? Or, like, when was the last investment you made? So, if you're a founder and you're strategically, you ask this question, and the VC says, So, our last investment was in June. And you go on their website and they say, Oh, we try to invest in, you know, 10 companies a year. And their last one was in June. They haven't found any good companies for the last six months. You know, we're talking in January right now, so seven months. Uh, So, yeah, there's definitely, some strategy you could definitely think of, uh, if if you're a founder from, from that sense. Uh, yeah. And I think usually VCs, I mean, maybe some people will lie to you. I, I don't know, but for the most part, I think people are pretty open. If you say, you know, do you have the capacity to write checks right now? VCs are usually, if you're having a a candid private conversation, you know, they'll let you know exactly where they're at. You know, we, our fund is 60% deployed. You know, we have a hundred million dollar fund. We have, $40 $40 million left to invest. We'll probably invest in four more companies over the next year. I and mean, we're raising a second fund. They might be able to give you a little bit of insight on that. Um, you know, where we, we save about half of our fund we use to do follow-on investing, which is basically once the companies, you know, if you're a founder and you're doing really well and you're going on to raise another round, VCs love it if their existing companies are doing well and they can, they know you very well and they can put more money in. Um, and that's typically where most of the returns come from as a, as a VC is from the companies that really start to do very well. Uh, so, yeah, there's, I think it's, as a founder, it's important to just not be afraid to just ask and just say like, where are you guys at? Like, are you able to write a check? Um, yeah. And I'm, I personally, usually am pretty open about my check size um, where we're at, how big our fund is. Uh, sometimes I proactively will say, you know, we're, i'm thinking about writing a hundred thousand dollar check in this specific instance right here with you or i'm thinking about maybe doing a fifty thousand dollar check i think it's good to ask though Uh, i think you it helps give as much visibility as you can into the fundraising process as a founder Uh, i think that's an important thing to do is be pretty i think for some people maybe you have a really good product and the money just comes in but in a lot of cases you know you really have to say okay i'm going to i'm going to talk to investors for these three weeks i've lined up 100 conversations you know i'm going to do like 10 a day or whatever it is Um, i I know how much i probably need from each people from each each fund i'm going to give everybody updates as i go Um, that's kind of an interesting thing i mean usually as a founder you're giving uh, you're giving investors a a deck with some charts that probably go up into the right if you can give them updates every week on your round of like hey i just we're at two hundred thousand book now. We're at five hundred out of the million. We're at seven hundred fifty out of the million. Um, you know, it's it's an interesting strategy and a way to do it as founder generate some FOMO. You know, VCs have a lot of FOMO, they really do. So uh, if you can generate that as a founder, I've seen it work really well, uh, kind of tactically to kind of close out rounds just to get people to move. Uh, so yeah, that's always a trick and something to keep in mind. But yeah, I think overall, just be open and just ask questions. Don't be afraid to. You know, ask what you want to know, and I think if it's your first time doing it, um, maybe talk to other founders. I think talking to other founders is a really good way to kind of get uh, get their get their take. Because I've never raised money as a founder before, uh, so I know I don't I don't know exactly what they go through uh, as a VC. You know, you can try to empathize as much as you can. And like I said, I'm raising a fund too, so kind of know, but I I really don't. So uh, yeah, I think overall, uh, a
0: lot of different ways to go about doing it. So. You're raising so actually, I would like to take what you just said and, and turn it around because I'm just curious. Like, so you're raising a fund right now. Um, so let's say I was I have a I have a company which I don't. Let's say I do, and we're talking at this moment in time. And uh, I asked you, hey, like, are you are you writing checks? Like, do you do you write checks at the same time you're raising a fund for the next round? Are you on hold? Like, what would you tell a founder if I was pitching you right now? What would you tell them? Yeah.
1: So typically, the way
0: that most
1: most of these like fund vehicles work. Uh, you know, you might, you might have raised your first fund, you're trying to invest it. Maybe you're talking, you're just having conversations with people about your second fund. Uh, you haven't finished investing in the first one yet, but things are going well. Um, and then that's kind of what I mean right now. I mean, I'm just always talking to LPs and investors. Uh, I think, I think there's certain rules too on like fundraising guidelines on like how VCs are that's why you don't see VCs like posting on Twitter or like writing on their website like, hey, we're fundraising right now. You know, you have to be specific. Like if you have an open I uh, I guess I don't, I'm not sure the exact phrasing for it, but yeah, I mean you, you can't really be talking publicly about these investment vehicles that you're raising. So for me, I mean I'm just always talking to LPs and trying to have those conversations. Uh, it's a little bit different than uh than maybe founders because you you don't necessarily have a, an open structure like i can kind of take money at different points in time whereas typically what you'll see with founders is they spend a month fundraising and they can get back to work for 12 months whereas for me on the lp side i mean they're just kind of very long conversations um, some people i've been talking to for over a year um, just you know kind of getting to know them and getting to trust me as an investor um, these are very long-term relationships for for VCs, so, so for a founder, you might have a company. It's gonna take you 10 years from the day you found it to the day you sell to someone or the day you go public or things don't work out. Um uh, maybe those VCs will come back and invest in your next company, you know, who knows? Definitely happens sometimes. Uh, but for VCs, you know, you're raising a fund one, a fund two, a fund three, you raise 10 funds over the course of your career. In theory, you really want to build relationships with LPs where you generate the returns for them. Uh, and they want to come back to back each one of your funds. Uh, Cause typically, t- typically in most cases, if you have a fund below, we'll say a threshold of like $25 million, most of your money is going to be coming from kind of just high worth individuals. Um, you, you reach a certain threshold where you maybe start raising from more institutional investors who, you know, they have either an endowment or a foundation or a, pension you know they're managing a 100 billion dollars for teachers in kansas or something like their retirement plans and then once you pass a certain threshold maybe that's a 100 million you can really start to talk and have conversations with them Uh, and that's always nice you know you you have a a lp relationship with somebody who you know they're uh, the chief investment officer of the north dakota police officers retirement plan they have a 10 billion dollar portfolio and they invest with you over the course of five or six or seven different funds. And maybe you keep returning the money to them. They put a little bit more in each time and it gets a little bit bigger. So it's a little bit different from the way that funders that founders would think about it. Um, I guess as a founder, maybe you, you don't hope to be fundraising perpetually for 50 years. You, you will to reach a point of sustainability. You go public, or, or maybe, maybe you sell your company and you go back and start a new one. And, so maybe you do go back to the same investor. So there's a lot of similarities. It's, there's a lot of differences too. Uh, so yeah, I guess the way I think about it is as a, as a VC, you know, you have founders that you're really working with. You're also working with LPs um, you're also working with other VCs. Uh, you know, it's kind of, it's a lot of sales. It's a lot of analytical, uh, you know, and it's, for me, it's really fun. And it's, you know, it's, it's also, it's sales it's analytical. I tried help with recruiting I'm always super like hands-on and try the product. Um, So it's like I said earlier, my process is not something that's super scalable right now. I have to figure out as I kind of scale up and get a little bit more uh, established as a VC, what I'm going to do. And I honestly don't have the right answer to that right now. I'm still learning. So it's uh, definitely day one for me still in terms of writing checks into startups. And hopefully I'll be doing it for 50 years. So,
0: Yeah, definitely. I have another question Relating to something you mentioned earlier, which is reinvesting money back into your winners, because that's where most most money is made. Um, I'm curious if you can go into the nuances of this. I actually don't have full uh, full understanding, but I know like there's a pro rata where if, if 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 you invest under pro rata, rights, you have the right to to keep your your kind of investment position. Um, an equity position, you know, throughout all the fundraises, But that is – this is where I might be wrong, but, like, that is not necessarily good for founder. Like, can you kind of go into the, what, the ways that you can invest in, in, in round after round and ways that may be more VC-friendly versus ways that may be more founder-friendly if there is such a thing?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think thinking the, – the way I think about it is really if you're a founder – you create a company let's say there's one of you or there's two of you or three or four you own 100 percent of the company yourselves the, the founders so whether it's one or, or four people however many when you raise money from outside investors you give away part of your company so i mean typically maybe in that very first round you might give away anywhere from depending on if it's a friends and family angel type round if it's an institution round you might give away anywhere from five to twenty percent of the company to outside investors Um, and really every time you raise money you're you're giving away part of the company Um, so maybe your company's valued at a hundred million dollars but you only own ten percent of it so your stake is only ten million dollars or your company's valued at twenty million but you own fifty percent so your stake's still worth 10 million on paper if you really want to think of it from a money standpoint um so i think ultimately these decisions of who gets what it comes down to the founders and, and what they want uh, but sometimes having certain vcs in so kind of stepping back again with vcs is, is they one one of the things we're kind of seeing is in really stepping back again a second level so the returns that a lot of lps are expecting kind of the you know the kansas teachers retirement plan the endowments that are giving all the money to the vcs the the returns they're expecting in the public markets looking at this you know the s&p 500 a lot of them expect the returns to be very low going forward that that's been the case for a while and that hasn't actually happened i mean i think I don't, the S&P 500 was up something like 25% in 2019. I actually don't know what the final number was, but it was up like huge. No one saw that at the beginning of the year. So a lot of these institutional investors who are giving the big dollars to the VCs do not, they want to get out of the public markets because they think they're overvalued. Whether that's right or wrong, that's kind of their thought process. So a lot of them are putting money in a private market. Some of it's, Real estate, some of it's kind of private equity, buyouts, like larger funds. Some of them are VCs doing kind of like tech venture type stuff. Uh, but what's happening is more and more people are putting money here. So if I'm a VC, if I'm Turner, I have a $5 million fund. I want to go out and raise a $100 million fund or a billion dollar fund. My current strategy of writing checks, they're twenty five dollars to $250,000. That doesn't make any sense for me when I have a billion dollar fund because like I just I wouldn't get to invest it. Like I'd have to make twenty investments a day <laughs> to to invest my whole fund of a billion dollars over the course of two, three, four years. Um so we've just kind of seen VCs have to write larger checks. Um, it's kind of a function of um, I'm sure people have kind of seen the round sizes that ref founders are raising at all these different stages are just getting larger, and it's because VCs have more capital to deploy. Um And the returns have been good. So LPs think the public markets are overvalued. Uh, I'm getting good returns from my VCs and from the private markets. So I'm going to put money there. Uh, so kind of tying it back to how it works as a founder, you know, sometimes you'll be talking to a VC and they're like, yeah, we want to invest, but we want to put in $10 million. And like we can only invest if we can put in $10 million in the round. Um, So it, it can, and that's not always the case, you know. Some people are very negotiable. If I think about it, but it can affect just everything. I mean, there's downstream effects. You've kind of seen. I think SoftBank is probably the extreme example of everything that I just talked about, where there's some LPs that want to put 10 billion, or in the case of some countries, 42 billion dollars into this like venture tech bio asset class, and they kind of created this asset class that kind of is top down, saying, "Okay, we're going to try to invest 100 billion dollars in this." tech startup asset class and we're kind of stretching what the asset class really is and it's it's having effects on everything else and we're kind of seeing how it's changing a little bit people are seeing you know maybe this wasn't quite the right approach to doing it uh, but honestly i think if, if lps think that they can't get returns in the public markets they're going to keep finding other ways to do it uh, and maybe it goes away from bc maybe they look overseas maybe they go to crypto and bitcoin maybe they you know look to like Space investing. I have no idea what's going to come up over the next decade, but it'll be really interesting. And I think ultimately, I mean, a good way to think about it is just what are the big institutional investors thinking about um, and how are they kind of deploying their capital? Because everything's going to flow from that eventually in terms of what the VCs have and, and what they're investing. So that was a long answer to your question, but hopefully that, <laughs> that was helpful. Yeah, no, it's
0: good. It's good. Um, and I have a I have one final question for you um, before we wrap it up. Thank you so much for, for coming on and giving us the VC BC, the BC perspective. Um, the last question is, and it's kind, of, it's kind of a general question, but what is just one thing or one or two things that you wish founders pitching you or pursuing you or trying to raise money from you, what do you wish that they know uh, that they may not know? Or what's something that you wish founders in general knew that they don't know?
1: I think the biggest thing is it's honestly, as a VC, you see a lot of different ideas and companies and pitches, and it's really hard to be right. I mean, most, most VCs say no to everything. You know, you say no to 99.5% of the companies that you talk to. So you no, know, it's just something to think about as a founder. Like chances are this VC that I'm talking to is probably going to say no to investing in my company and that's okay. And it's, it's really a numbers game. You just have to be, persistent and just whether it's talking to more people or being more focused in your approach or getting more feedback from people um it can be really tough and it's a long road for sure um you know we definitely see instances where sometimes a product sells itself sometimes it sells itself to investors Uh, i think it can be really helpful to uh, you know do a little bit of background on vcs you know to understand how to pitch them if you really really want them as an investor and also not put a VC on a pedestal like in most cases you know more about your company than a VC does so they might have feedback for you or suggestions but you're the you're the expert on your company you know more than the VC does Uh, and, and like I said in a lot of cases their decision to invest or not will probably be wrong most VC like investments you know I don't know what the most recent data is but in general they lose money. So they'll invest. They'll probably be wrong. They don't invest. Probably end up being wrong too. Um, So it's uh, definitely, and don't take things that VCs say as the gospel. You know, a lot of VCs, they're investors. They're not company builders or salespeople. Maybe they have experience. Uh, Maybe it's a little bit outdated. Maybe they're still in the trenches. You know, you never know. So I think in terms of thinking about talking to VCs and investors, yeah, I think it's just, you know, it's, don't take anything personal. Like most VCs are, most VCs generally try to be helpful and nice when they can. Uh, and it's it's tough to get out. There's a lot, I mean, it's it's tough. It's like any other job, you know, you're trying to do. I think uh, there's a good newsletter written by a VC called Drinking from the Fire Hose. So there's just a fire, like a, you think of one of those fire hydrants where you like knock it off and just the water sprays everywhere. And you're just like trying to stick your head in there and, and drink some water kind of hard so uh, that's definitely how i think about it uh, and it's it can be like that as a founder too you know you're trying to figure out what do i work on what do i build for my for my customers and for my users so uh yeah i think and don't be afraid to just ask vcs for uh you know i guess to help like can you introduce me to someone um, most vcs are are happy to um and even not vcs even other people just ask for stuff and
0: you'll be surprised at what people are able to do all right. I fully agree with that. Asking, you know, <laughs> a, 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 just making the ask is, is half the battle, to be honest, um, in my experience, at least. So thank you so much for coming on to the podcast and being the first VC to ever be on Forward Thinking Founders. Uh, you know, I, I yeah, appreciate for you coming on and giving you all and giving us all the insight that you've given. And uh, just, you know, best of luck finding all future unicorns. And, uh, and just again, again, thanks, thanks again for coming on. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for having me.